am your host, Dan Nichols. I am joined by zombified Brian Sanchez. I don't get it. You're tired and you're barely awake. Yes, I okay, I get it now. (laughs) Hey, what's going on, guys? You see how tired he is? And I'm joined by Honda Tragic Tim Wesley. Huh. Hmm. He didn't realize that he was, but now that I said something, he gets it. (laughs) So uh, we've touched on this in the past. Uh, We're going to take a more analytical approach to it, and that is we are going to talk about fads. Uh, Many, many fads come and go from sometimes within a year you see a fad come up about cars and they go away um and then some hang on for a while and then eventually they're looked at with humor (laughs) who remembers underglow i do (laughs) i miss underglow let's say can i still get it at autozone probably (laughs) but no i'll tell you there were some led strips now though there were not actual neons the uh i'll tell you some underglow that i have seen done really well is um like dudes with big chrome blowers hanging out the hood and they have like a red led strip underneath it so at night the blower is illuminated red that's kind of cool that's pretty cool yeah (laughs) i want it more for like inside the cabin more than anything than like the under the the, the carriage uh there there's a uh uh, Mighty Car Mods did it. Um, they, uh, uh, it was on Too Sexy, the car. If you haven't watched that series, it's hilarious. Give it a, give it a watch. Um, he had l- LED light rope in there that when the car came on boost, it lit up. And then when it went away, it turned off. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I, I'm sorry. That's cool. Yeah. Um, but while I'm on that, uh, thanks to the Skid Factory for helping me out. I had some questions about where I want to go with my Project Lazarus build. And Woody actually got together with Al, and they answered my question. Um, just this little piddly uh, podcast, these guys who are doing really well in YouTube uh, reached out and uh, answered me and answered my question and did a really good job of it. And now I'm very confident in where I'm going to go next. And uh uh, if you guys don't watch Mighty Car Mods, Skid Factory, whatever, um, if you like engine theory, like to see things being built, I find it very therapeutic. Um, the Skid Factory on YouTube and uh, Mighty Car Mods on YouTube, both of those shows, super fun to watch. Um, especially from my standpoint, uh, Skid Factory, because they actually like show you how they're building, like, where they install turbos and, like, how they do this and that and the other thing. It's really cool. I've actually gained some knowledge. I've learned new things on it. And that says something because I know quite a bit. No humble brag. But also with housekeeping, um, go on to our Facebook, our new Facebook group, FTG Gremlins. That's capital F, capital T, capital G, capital G, Gremlins. All right? Uh... So go on there, go on to our Instagram, go on to Apple Podcasts, go on to Spotify, like, rate us. It helps us out a lot, and um, we're looking, we have some really great ideas on extra things that we can bring to y'all, um, but in order to do that, we kind of need to get rated, 
subscribed. If you haven't subscribed, go ahead and do so right now. Um, tell your friends, tell your mama. It helps us out. And I promise you, this does nothing but help us get more content out to y'all. It would be cool. It would be awesome. Okay. So, this week, like I said, we're going to talk about fads. They come, they go, they, you know. There are some that are great, some that are bad, some that are great and go away, and some that are bad and are here to stay. I meant for that to rhyme. <laughs> Anyways. Nice job. Nice job. Uh, yeah, I felt good about it. So, Couldn't uh, tell. <laughs> so, uh, Tim. Yes, that's right. Even though you've heard nothing from him, Tim is still here. Yeah. yeah. All right. They heard something. Tim. When you said yeah. some bullshit about Honda, I was like, <laughs> huh. <laughs> so, Tim, why don't you lead us off? What are we talking about voice? So, uh, this one's kind of a surprise to guys. Um, Dan's talking a little bit about, like, car design uh, for both engines and most exterior stuff. I want to talk about motorsports. And a trend that I believe is going to shake a lot of shit up. Um, and that, that's electric vehicles. Mm-hmm. Um, so this past season of that's still going on, I think there's one stop left of uh, Formula Drift, um, a driver by the name of Travis Reeder and a shop under the name of Napoleon Motorsports had a electric Camaro. Um, it did not do great just because... You can have all the, you know, whatever electric makes as far as horsepower in the world. And if that car does not drive in the way that you need to be able to drive it for such a kind of like skill-based sport, right? In such a precise manner. Precise, yeah. yeah. And they weren't there. So the last two or three stops, he's driving his old faithful S14. So can I shed some ideas that I have about that. Sure. It's completely new. It is. So, you know, nitrous, turbocharging, supercharging, all of that has been present in Formula Drift, uh, and NA for that matter, has been present in Formula Drift for, you know, since the beginning. One thing that is brand new, much as you alluded to, is electric cars. The thing is, is about electric cars, it is 100% of the torque from the moment you push down the accelerator, or what would have been known as the gas pump. So when you are, when you're talking about going between internal combustion and electric motors, the characteristics of those two, even though they do the same job, they couldn't be more different. Right. And that's what they were kind of discovering. It's like, right. I like in a traditional vehicle, I need to clutch kick here. Right. How do you do that in <laughs> exactly in an electric vehicle? You so can. the the reason I bring that up specifically is because, yes, Formula Drift and other drifting series are kind of lax on what the power plant is, mm-hmm. right? Which God, please just keep it that way. I, I, think I, I could wonderful. I could see it being that way. But I'm curious if this starts to trickle into other motorsports, 
where, mm-hmm. you know, traditionally it's always been a combustion engine powering these. Um, we have Formula E, as yeah. Brian's mm-hmm. a, a yep. decent fan of, yep. Yep. where it's all electric. That's cool. But what happens when, like, people start campaigning these or petitioning to have them in sports that, you know, are always been traditional? So I could see that coming. You know, a situation mm-hmm. which is like F1, they're like, we don't want to run, we don't want to run gas anymore. Well, wait, wait, wait. Yeah. That's how it's always been. It's like, well, we don't want to. What's to say we can't do this? Yeah. Right. And then you have NASCAR. Yeah. yeah. I was, I was just oh, about God. to say. Are you kidding me? I Them good old boys. Look, nah. Who's to I say that? I don't think, I don't think that. Have you ever met um, a NASCAR fan? Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't think that electric vehicles will take over Formula One uh, per se because that is, that is Formula E. Like, nope. It is essentially the same sport with an electric vehicle as opposed to uh, the internal. But what I think you will start seeing is um, like more implementation of the technology, and it will be those hybrid, you know, yeah. like crazy supercar things that that yeah. we're getting, and that's going to become more and more and more prominent. Uh, not just like the like the Kerr system that like the engine re- like the mm. energy recovery systems that we have right. there. Like you're gonna see a mixture of the power plants in Formula One. I think that's what you will see. By the way, Kerr stands for Kinetic Energy Recovery System. There you go. Sorry. There you but go. I mean, there's um, a currently for the past few years in Japan GT, there's a Prius that runs. That's what I was uh, gonna I was, say. And it's like say GT racing. GT racing is where you'll see a mixture of them. Like you could because see a mixture of them. It's where it makes most sense because with drift it would be moderately easy to implement a few electric cars here and there because the the actual racing point to point is very short. Oh yeah. Whereas, you know, with some racing especially like NASCAR like you said, you know, that's it's 500 laps of good old boys taking left turns. So well, you're, yeah, still, I mean, you're, you're, you you're going to drain a battery so fast. Yeah. Like, so you would, it would it, you could, I could theoretically see a version of stock car racing yeah. that you do get, um, yeah. with an electronic yeah. like vehicle. But that's what I was going to say is that GT racing is typically like a Coda 30, 20, 30 laps. Yeah. An electric battery can last that long. Right. For sure. So... Who's to say that, and obviously this brings up another thing in that uh, the characteristics of an electric engine or electric motor, I should say, um, once it is spooled up and going, it gets to that stop, that top speed really fast. But a internal combustion engine can go faster in the long run. So you're going to see, it, this is kind of the interesting thing to me is that if you see them both at the on the track at the same time are you will you see the electric car be taken uh, taken over by a uh, internal combustion engine and then when it comes to the turns the electric car gets a little bit of uh, you know gain on that person and then comes to the straightaway and they're catching up but are they going to catch up fast enough or uh, you know they just swap the pack for a pit stop that's true. So, like, it's 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 kind of crazy. It's filling up the fuel, right? You're swapping tires out, anyways. So, where essentially, like where a fuel a fuel cell would be, you have a battery pack. There, 
And actually, this is that something would be nuts. This is actually something that I saw a little bit about something, and I forgot to post it on our Facebook. So we we know everybody, almost everybody knows about Catrum, right? The BAC Mono. These are boutique automakers that make track toys. Uh, KTM has the crossbow. Polaris has that little. The slingshot. Slingshot. There's the T-Rex. and The T-Rex. These are meant to be track cars that in most places are street legal. <laughs> no, I mean, I'm, I'm like, they are legal. I was just like, yeah, nope. You would never want to, but you could. There is a company, I think they're out of California, that have a track toy. Electric car. Sure. Why not? They have a battery pack, and it you sit like uh, you're in the BAC Mono, so you're directly in the center. There's a little cockpit, much like a Formula One car, but there's like more car, you know, like it's not open wheel, for instance. But the side of it pops out, and then you pop one back in, and that's the battery, and it can be done in about 20 seconds. Which, I mean, is a slow pit stop. But you well, can't tell me that eventually that's not going to get sped up. Yeah. I mean, that is a ridiculously slow pit stop for, like, a series like Formula One. Right. But for a series like NASCAR, that's right about on the money if yeah. you're taking four tires and putting fuel in the car. Yeah. So, like, you know, it's it, there's definitely know. that aspect of it. Yeah. Um, it certainly could be feasible and personally i super love gt racing uh australian supercar uh drifting i like these because again it's about the engine for me and there's different engines on the field and you can see the characteristics of the engine based off of what they're doing so you can see it if you pay close enough attention and gt and australian supercar you'll see some cars are much faster in a straight line and then it comes up to a corner and they're not able to get up and go fast enough. And the, the reason is, is that particular engine takes a little bit longer to wind up than this other one. But once it's wound up, it can bolt much and this one can't, whatever. So those different characteristics for me would make it more interesting for me to watch. Yeah, it's a... That was kind of a surprise for you guys because I didn't yeah. share. But I yeah. completely agree. I do want to see that. I don't think we'll get it in a NASCAR because I, there I are think too many folks with missing teeth and a Budweiser cap that are going to hate it so, so much. I think, I think you're right to an extent, specifically because of how they structure their rules. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Everybody runs the same shit. Yeah. Yeah, and I it would be it would, it would I think you would start getting to a thing where you'd have like NASCAR issued batteries for <laughs> like like yeah. you know like kind of well kind of like the way that everyone gets issued tires from Pirelli for yeah. the races in Formula One you only get a certain amount yeah so like I could see like you only get a certain amount of batteries for the race like I mean you only get a certain amount of fuel that you're allowed to use yeah. for the race too like it's like but a ration the thing kind is, of thing is when you talk about um, that everybody getting battery pack or whatever. 
some battery packs may be damaged during transport. Maybe this right. particular well, battery has been used more uh, more because it's an older battery that's been in two or three races by now. Yeah. You know? it's, so, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a new thing that would happen, and I think it would be really, really cool. Um, yeah, man. Um, we could probably could have done a whole episode on that, man. <laughs> yeah. Why'd you waste it in this freaking... We have so much more stuff to talk I don't, about now. I actually don't have a ton, so like, I mean, that's why... why yeah. yeah. That was cool, though, man. Yeah. I, now I have so many ideas in my head about <laughs> right. in, inputting electric vehicles into the different racing series. Anyways. You know what? This is maybe foreshadowing. Let's touch on this subject again yeah. with a little bit more research and see maybe where it's going. Let's do that. I okay. like it. But... Let's move on to the next topic, and that's kind of the fads that are happening in the aftermarket and in uh, from the manufacturer. There is some crossover here. So, uh, first and foremost, how many of you guys seen out there in the world BMWs, Mercedes, uh, some uh, high-end, you know, Lexuses, Lexi? Le- yep um <clears throat> it's lexuses right it just sounds weird but that are flat colors like flat black flat gray i've seen flat blue uh flat white especially I see a lot of those that They're sounds like the worst one actually it's not i just imagine all the shit on it yeah, yeah so it's very true and this kind of leads into where i'm going with it the reason why I think that this is a fad and this is going to go away is because within the matter of a few years, that paint is going to be dead. And let me tell you why. If wax or oil or grease or anything of that consistency touches the paint, because it is so porous, it congeals in one area and it looks like it's just a single raindrop. And then you have another one, another one. And before you know it, you have a white BMW that looks like a greasy Dalmatian. Hmm. And it's going to look terrible. Furthermore, there is a flat clear on it. However, again, it's porous. So you're going to have rock chips more often because they're not just going to skip off sometimes. They're going to dig in every single time. Um, so anyways... There's that. BMW also, we put it online uh, on our, it was on the Facebook group. I think it was in the group, yeah. Um, BMW has licensed uh, the blackest black that ever blacked. And in order for that color to even work, it has to be flat. Can you tell me how dirty that car is going to look at any given moment? Right? Yeah. So. There's that, and the aftermarket's been doing flat colors for a very long time now. Like, really within the past 10, 15 years. And, I mean, granted, it was around before that, but not a lot of people used it because, you know, metal fleck and gloss and everything, that was the way to go. But speaking of, another fad that Toyota really spearheaded was these straight gloss colors. So there's that like sand brown and that grayish blue gloss, and there's no metal fleck, there's no pearl on it, right? Uh, yeah, I think it's like a three or even four stage that is insane to me. 
Yeah. And like so, each each kind of has gloss in it as they go and then they clear it. Right. So the thing is, is that I don't hate the way that they look. I don't. I think they actually look really good. They're very of the time. <laughs> but being of the time, I don't think they're going to age well. I just don't I like th- brown cars. <laughs> yeah. It, yeah. I, I mean, like on a forerunner, it makes sense. Because it's meant to look utilitarian and off-roady and all that. Like, that's cool. Cool. Whatever. Fine. Those are not going to age well. So, the and kind of the reason why I wanted to talk about this is forever and a day, the way that cars are painted was with metal fleck. So, if you look at your paint on your car, chances are when you look real close, you're going to see little itty-bitty pieces of something that make it look like it's sparkling. That's metal fleck. Um, it's typically some sort of uh, shiny plastic that is ground up really, really fine. That's very close to the color of your car, but when light hits it, it reflects light back, thus making it look shiny. Additionally, in the past 10 years, almost every single automotive manufacturer has been putting pearl into it as well. The reason why you put pearl in it is that it makes the shiny shinier and the areas where it's not reflecting light and everything, it makes it look more smooth and it makes the color pop more. Um, These give those like Cadillacs and Lexus and Mercedes and these high-end cars, they make them look uh, even that much more prestigious you know best use i've seen of it in the past like five years is the crz got a white pearl yeah and it looks incredible yeah Yeah. hateful car (laughs) but yes it It looks good it looked i'm just good no you're absolutely correct i see this exact one Mm -hmm. twice a week every week (laughs) yep and uh i just like walk past like fuck that is a awesome color because it when it pearls, it's pearling blue and purple. Yep. And, and that's it's a white car. And that's, yeah, that's really cool. Where automotive manufacturers go with it because it makes those blues and whites and blacks even makes them look more than just that color. Um, the best application that I've personally seen is in Mazda, believe it or not, that red that they have right now, it's got a orangish yellowish pearl in it. And what that does is it gives you that contrast. So when it's sitting in the sun, the little creases and the little body flares are reflecting back at you and they're almost yellow or orange, which in contrast makes the other areas that the pearl is not shining look even more red. And it's just a little bit of an, a, a visual trick, if you will. Um, I think that Pearl and the cool things that they're doing with it, they're implementing these sort of uh, color theory and stuff into um, and making colors really pop more with the opposite color shining through. I think that is probably where we're going to see not necessarily the 
aftermarket at first. I think this is going to be something that from factory we're going to see more of. Uh, they've been doing it for a long time. The gloss, the the gloss no metal fleck, that's going to be in style for another few years, and then it's going to disappear. It just is. The the only glosses that you're going to find are going to be whites and blacks, like you always have, you know? Yeah. I like the, uh, the what, is, what is that stinger color? That Pepsi blue? No, the gray one. It's like yeah. ceramic. I, I love that. It, it's, it's smoke. It looks like they packaged smoke <laughs> into a paint and put that on a car. It looks so good. It it's like one really of my looks good. Colors. I don't yeah. want that to go away because I think that will probably age well. Hopefully. Hopefully, yeah. Or because it's not a color. Mm. Because it's a hue. Black, <laughs> yeah, black and white have been in the gloss forever. Yeah. Forever they've been there, and they yeah, have had a little are, bit those of Those are kind of timeless colors, but like, right. like other variations of blues and oranges like, and greens and yeah. reds. Like oh, you can yeah, tell orange like a, is another one that can, they're doing. You can yeah. tell us, like, a, it, it sets it in a, in a specific time. 2000s, like, 2000s that, burnt orange. Yeah, Nissan. that burnt the, orange. The, I was just going to say that, that burnt orange and that champagne, gross. like early 2000s yeah. champagne. It was on like every, yeah. every like, car. SUV. Every single I mean, car. Oh, I literally think of Intrepids and Dodge Stratus. Oh, that's right. Yeah, it was on the Intrepid. I think stuff. of the Nissan Altima because my aunt had one that that's was right. that color. Gross. That's why yeah. I said that's I don't right. like brown cars. Yeah. And how dare you take such a mundane color and call it champagne? <laughs> yeah. So I want to talk a little bit about the aftermarket syndrome. Dan's talking about paint. Yes, please. Um, I think something big that's coming is going to be liquid wraps. Yeah. It's literally paint that you can, once peel hardened, off. peeled off. Yep. Oh. It's so pretty cool. You, I, I think it's a really cool uh, thought. Yeah. So I don't necessarily think it's a fad. It's more of a trend that is picking up. Mm-hmm. And so if, if you've ever tried to take something sticky and put it on something that is not completely flat, it's difficult. Especially it's if you're nightmare. trying to do it neatly. Dude, I had, Welcome I, to the world of wrapping your car. Yeah, dude. For real. I tried to put, or I did put a banner for a car club that I was a part of in the mid 2000s. Putting that on a windshield, just a windshield. It's just one solid curve. There wasn't like, you know, a bolster or anything like that. It was a nightmare. So that's like why I think like the liquid wrap thing is going to really pick up. Yeah. I've seen people and use I mean, them. I want you to imagine. You go and you rob a bank, use your car as a getaway car, drive home and peel off the color. Boom. Got away. Dan took that someplace. <laughs> yeah, well, it actually, that does raise an interesting question because like when you said that it peels off, like how cheap is this are we talking? How easy to, is it to apply? And like, is it something that I could change the color of my car like every like two weeks? Let me tell you if this. If you wanted to, like, you could. I mean, it's, but like, it's like how much would I be spending on that? Like, it's less than a paint job. He's right. Well, yeah, I'm sure so less it, than a paint job, but it's like, going to range depending yeah. on how much of the material you need. So if you have a fucking enormous car and you plan on doing every every bit, like we're talking sills and everything, right? Then it's probably going to take a minute. That's probably going to take quite a bit. Um, I watched somebody do a set of four rims, and like they used one of the smaller kits. Um, as it is easier to do than a wrap. It is still work. 
because it takes a good amount of time you know, to prep the surface as good as it yeah. replying wrap or paint then coat after coat after coat after coat so doing an entire car in it probably gonna take quite a while and you may still want to have someone professionally spray it just so it's on there good but like it's something you can apply pretty liberally and have it work mm. out yeah but you could easily color swap your car yeah yeah I forgot like your about wheels, that. That's super cool. Like, and wheels probably be much more manageable. So if you had like a black car or like a white car and you wanted to just like change out your wheels. So like I have, you know, like black ones and maybe I want red ones. Yep. You know, like I there could get like a, a dude like, that's what I, I saw somebody do. Yeah. There was a dude that I worked with and once every month or two, he would respray his wheels on his Beamer just cause for him, this is perfect. Mm-hmm. And yeah. honestly, like, I maintain, and I don't know if I've ever said this on the podcast, but wheels can make or break the look of a car True. all day, every day. So when you have, like, I love black and white cars because black and white, you can see the angles of the body lines cleaner and crisper, but having your wheels a color because that's another thing that I wanted to touch on is black rims all over the fucking place. It hides the rim. And if you have a good rim, show it off much like this sort of product where you like, let's see what it would look like in blue, spray it on there, keep it on a couple weeks and go, Hmm, that doesn't work for sure. And try something else. And I like watching it come off is just like, it's easier than taking Plasti Dip off straight up. That's, That's pretty cool, excellent. man. Well, I mean, Plasti Dip's kind of a bastard. True. <laughs> um, and then there's a company in a similar vein called Clarity Coat that essentially has a spray-on clear bra that is tougher than a lot of clear bras. Hmm. This is this This cost is very high, but ah. watching it work was insane. Yeah. Like straight up hmm. keying as hard as someone keying your car would key it, peel off the clarity coat, nothing. Interesting. Hmm. And it just came off like like wrap. So that's pretty cool. That's really cool. So I think I think they I that's gotta be like their own Which have you tried to take off a clear bra? Oh it's the worst thing in the world. Yeah, yeah. yes I have taken off On a clear a car. bra. <laughs> the clear bra bras are just as hard as any other one. But on a car, it's very difficult. Yeah. Nice. And they, I mean, that's a heat gun and a credit card for an hour. And you better pray that there was no imperfection in the paint that just brings up the actual clear. Yeah. Ugh. But Ouch. Um, on the, the rims bit, um, I have something that I want to go away more than anything in the world, and it is directional rims. Mm. You know, so that was something that started in motorsport. Agreed. Because my Camaro had directional rims on, but it was like old school mag looking rims. And I think it made the car look good. It was kind of a little bit of a deep dish. I, I liked it. But um, the, direct, the directional rim was meant to bring air in. It was basically a fan blade, but inverted. So it would bring air into the wheel well to cool off the brakes. Nowadays, <laughs> not so much. I mean, when you're fucking at a absurd tucked static ride height, your uh, 
your directional rims really aren't doing much. They're not doing a damn thing. And frankly, if you are tucking wheel, <laughs> your brakes, you're not going fast enough for your brakes <laughs> no. to really need cooling. No. You're just not. But yeah, that's like my biggest one, man. Like I agree. Like, and I mean, most of the directional rims that are coming out nowadays serve no functional purpose. It's literally an aesthetic thing, you know? So I, uh, I frankly, I, yeah, but, and that goes into, you know what, a fad that I want to see come back in, interesting wheels that are not over the top. Sure. I mean, a pair of roadies, those uh, four spokes for four lug cars. It was a brilliant look. It's it's very eighties. It's pretty eighties. It, yeah, it's pretty eighties. But it was. There are cars to this day that I would like to see those on. Granted, most of them from the eighties and nineties, <laughs> but they were interesting. Every freaking wheel, with the exception of very few that come from the manufacturer, look the same. No wonder they're spraying them black because you want them to disappear because they right. don't look good. Dodge has had that five-spoke bloated thing forever. Yeah. Forever. Yeah. You are And while we're at correct. it, did you, uh, yeah, I told these guys about it. Next time you look at a Dodge or uh, a Chrysler that's been built in the past 10 years, go and look at the rim. Nine times out of 10, if you tap the chrome on it, it's a plastic covering over a steel wheel. Just saying. I don't like... I can't think of one car that I was like, I like those rims that were stock. Not one. Stinger. The one... Uh, I still change the, them. Yeah. They look like a knockoff BBS. Uh, if I were to replace them, I would go with the BBS CH that it was based off of. Maybe. Yeah, I, I, I have to agree with you. I'm trying to think of like a car that I've seen recently that... I think yeah, like, like the stock wheel looks awesome, but I can't remember what the wheels really look like on any of for, these cars. For me, it's like, probably going to be high end shit. Like, can, well, but even on I, some of the high end, so I, I can't remember what the wheels really do look like on like the Audi R8 that I am obsessed with. Like, um, I I really don't know what they look like. I can't for like, can, right now. Can I say the wheels on my car? Those are stocks. They're but from not, a Mazda a, three. Say, yeah, so not from, from a your different car. Mazda. It, yeah, but. Nevertheless, they're stock rims, and I like those. So I'd yeah. say that on your car, they do look OEM plus. On the Speed 3, they look matte as fuck. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> See? <laughs> yeah, you know what? You know why? Because the Mazda 3 was meant to look super duper sporty, and then the wheels were kind of in line with that. On yeah. my car, my car isn't meant to look super duper sporty, so it basically it's the dude at the office who's wearing like business casual with like some running shoes is what it looks like. Yeah, so for sure, I I just showed Brian's the uh, the RA wheels and they they look like BBSs. Yeah, yeah, yeah they, they do. do. It, and honestly that fat is going out. The little skinny spokes, they're yeah. they're on their way out and I don't want them to go. Well, BBS I like them. BBS will forever 
have those wheels for you because they That's don't. True. They haven't produced a new wheel, like a new wheel design. I and think the last one was in 06 or yeah, something like that, and that minute. was the CHR. But for me, wheels will fit a specific car. Like, I always look at a car, and the next thing I think of is what wheels can I put on that? And yep. then my head goes places. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, the, the attainable dream, which is still the direction I'm headed currently of the Genesis Coupe, mm-hmm. um, is uh, the Cosmos Racing S5Rs. They are a five-spoke yep. that has a split between each spoke and a slight dish, but, like, it's, like, a kind of concave, not actually dished. And you know what? They're though? sick. I've, frankly, I, with anything sporty, the Camaro, the the Genesis, the, the a freaking TMW Supra, uh, actual BMW Z4. The more dish, the better. For sure. I don't. I I love a dish. Mm. All the more to love. So if you have any ideas about a fad that love, hate, indifferent, whatever. Go to our Facebook group, FTG Gremlins, or go to our Facebook, uh, From the Garage Podcast, or Instagram, From the Garage Podcast. But until next time, I am Dan Nichols. I'm Brian Sanchez. And I'm Tim Wesley. Are you sure? We'll go with it. Now get out of my garage!